everyone. Now, if you're still looking for a place to serve, the little link is a great opportunity for you. And I would encourage you to speak with Ashley uh, about that. And if, 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 Lydic, if you don't like working with little kids or that's not your thing, LVM has a lot of opportunities for you. And we also support Alabama a- RUF at Alabama A&M. If you have a heart for college students, please talk with Roy Emily Hubbard uh, for opportunities to be able to walk alongside of them to support their ministry. So there are opportunities for you to, to serve and use your gifts here at the Village Church. If you have your Bible, please open it to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 today. President Obama gave the annual State of the Union address uh, this past Wednesday. And and during the speech, he he said that, you know, just over a decade ago, I gave a speech in Boston where I said there wasn't a liberal America or a conservative America, a black America or a white America, but a United States of America. You know, the the president's words paint a very wonderful picture. It's an ideal vision. But those words are only true on paper because reality gives us another picture, the real picture. Because the functional reality in our country is that of divisions and tribes operating under the same flag but often against each other. And if you were on social media on Wednesday night or you watched the news, you saw this functional reality taking place. Because on one side, you have those who are like, man, the president did a great job. I love that speech. And on the other side, you have those that say, same stuff, clinging symbol, don't want to hear it. Because there are, there are Americans who don't resonate with the president's words. They've turned away from listening to him. His voice is no longer relevant, or it was never relevant. You see, there's a lesson the church in America can learn from politics in America, and that is this. Your voice can become irrelevant very quickly. You can become a clinging symbol very quickly, and people will turn away from listening to us very quickly. So what is the state of the American church? Not the church over there, but the church in the United States. What is the state of the church here? It's this. She is losing her prophetic witness every day. Her prophetic witness is on the decline. We're becoming a clinging symbol. We're becoming irrelevant. Many factors contribute to this decline. I believe consumer Christianity does. Health and wealth Christianity does. Celebrity Christianity does. Political Christianity does. And nationalism does. The list can go on and on and on. Christianity in our country is becoming more and more a system of strategies and techniques, and marketing strategies and entertainment to simply get people in the pew. If all we are known for is how many heads are counted in this sanctuary, then that's very, very sad. But some of us are excited about that. 
I got big numbers on Sunday, and that's it. That's what we're known for. Even a great country like ours needs the church to be a prophetic witness. Needs it to be. And only the church in America can be this witness. And it will only happen when believers take serious their role to be such witnesses. You have to take that role. You have to be serious about it. Many believers, myself included, are reluctant to take serious our role to be prophetic witnesses. But don't worry. Jesus has a word for that. Not an app, but a word. You see, an app makes life convenient. The word interrupts your life all the time. And that's your life and mine. This morning, we're going to begin a sermon series on the book of Jonah. And this series is going to challenge you, it's going to convict you, and it's going to compel you to be a prophetic witness for Jesus. So if you have your Bible, open it to Jonah 1, beginning in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, and he paid for the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. This is God's holy word. Please pray with and for me. Father, as we come to your truth, we desperately need your spirit to, to speak. We desperately need your spirit to speak through me because as I say often and as I fully believe, the preacher is but a man. He's not a president. My family's not the first family. I'm a man. I'm a sinner, just like everybody else. And if your spirit does not move in these few minutes, nothing is going to happen. Help us to think about that. If you don't move, nothing happens. Lives are not changed. People are not convicted. People don't repent. So, Spirit, we need you to move in this place. But first, I need you to move in my own heart. Because these words, I need them. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. The book of Jonah is a narrative, it's a story. It's a story about Yahweh's dealings with Jonah, says Hans Wolf. And it's a story about how, how God deals with a reluctant cultural prophet. That's what Jonah is. And that is what we are. We're all reluctant to fulfill our prophetic role here in our country. Reluctant to be prophetic witnesses of the kingdom. But yet God still uses us. He still uses Jonah. He even issues a call to Jonah. Now the story doesn't begin with, with Jonah's initiative. The story doesn't begin with Jonah's plans. It doesn't begin with Jonah's mission or Jonah's ministry program or Jonah's outreach program or Jonah's strategy and his marketing agenda. No, the story opens up with Yahweh's initiative. For he is the main character in this story. The center of the focus. Yahweh always makes the first move. Always. True in Jonah's life, 
and it's true in your life. And the opening scene of this narrative makes it, makes it clear. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. That phrase, the, the word of the Lord, is repeated throughout the Old Testament to other Old Testament men like Jeremiah, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Hosea, and Joel. These five words are important because they emphasize and highlight the divine source of the word that came to these men. You see, like them, Jonah is a prophet of Yahweh. And prophets were, are not regular teachers of God's word. Prophets are, are not even part of the religious system. God rises up prophets for particular reasons, for particular seasons, throughout the history of Israel. And if you read through the, the, the Old Testament, you know that throughout the history of Israel, in, in the divided kingdom, God rose up prophets for particular times, for particular reasons. And he uses these prophets to speak into the religious and social and even the political issues of the kingdom. And they did. And some of them died doing it. Prophets are like spokesmen, and a spokesman speaks on behalf of someone else. He does not speak on his own behalf. And in the case of Old Testament prophets, they speak on behalf of Yahweh, on his behalf. You see, a person cannot be a self-appointed prophet. I know people are prophets today, but that's not the same thing as what we're talking about here. Only Yahweh appoints prophets. And when he appoints them, he gives them a clear message that he wants them to deliver. Not their own message, not what they feel like doing, it's what he gives them. Because the message does not come from them, it comes from him. He's the source of it. Second Peter says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's at work. And so what is taking place here with these words? And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Something's taking place here. And in the story before us, the word came to Jonah. This is Yahweh taking the initiative making the first move, his dealings with Jonah. The word of the Lord came. It doesn't tell us what the message is. I hope you see that. It doesn't tell us what's the message going to deliver. He doesn't even get into that yet. And I believe this, this is the reason why, because before the message, there has to be a call. There has to be a call. Before you can have a divine message, you must first have a divine call to deliver that message. The call always precedes the message. The call is just as important. And please understand that. It is. And, and the person doesn't call himself or herself. The person doesn't own the call. The call has a divine source. And that is Yahweh as well. The call belongs to him. The call comes from him. Jonah is a recipient of the call. Think about that. Now the creator, he's not entitled to it. He's a recipient. Because he can lose it. He's a recipient of a call. 
Arise, Jonah. Go to Nineveh, that great city. Call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. The Lord begins his call to Jonah with two commands. Two commands. Then it's not by accident. The commands makes it clear that, that God is not making suggestions to Jonah. He's not saying, well, Jonah, if you feel up to it, and if it's comfortable, and if it fits into your schedule and, and your lifestyle, then will you pretty, 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 pretty please consider going to Nineveh? Oh, no, 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 no. Time out. Yahweh isn't the one. He's not the one. He does not beg. He commands. Please understand me. He does not beg. He commands. He takes initiative. He makes the first move. But he ain't going to beg you to do anything. He will not. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's all those things. But he does it all with sovereign power and sovereign authority as well. So he calls Jonah with a commanding authority. Commanding authority. Notice what he says. He just says, arise. Not, if, not when you have time to arise. Now. Stop what you're doing. Get to your feet. Stand up before me. Get ready, Jonah, for I'm speaking. And the Lord calls him. And please understand, the call is not always comfortable. The call is not always fit into your schedule and your lifetime and your lifestyle. The call is not always convenient. It will be an interruption to your life. Every time. And the Lord will say to you, arise. And guess what? He already has, but we'll get into that later. The command to Jonah to stand up, and then he tells him to go. Once you get up, I want you to go. I want you to go to a particular place, to a particular people. I'm going to give you particular instructions, and I'm going to give you the particular reason why I'm giving you the instructions. All this one little verse. The particular place is Nineveh. That great city, says the Lord. In Genesis 10, we know that Nineveh was founded by Nimrod, the son of Cush, the son of Ham. We know that it is it's, it's, it's close to modern-day um, Baghdad. And Nineveh is also far away from Israel, 500 miles away from Israel. That's a long walk, 500 miles. So we see the Lord is calling Jonah to leave his homeland, to go to a particular place, to engage a particular people, people who are different from him, different country, different culture. Nineveh is a Gentile state filled with Gentiles, pagans who worship false gods. Now Yahweh is calling Jonah, one of his prophets, to go to the Gentile country, away from his own people, away from his own culture, to engage with Gentiles. Now he's going to Nineveh, but he's not going there for a holiday. Not going there for a vacation. He's not going there to assimilate into their culture. 
He's not going there to impose his culture on them. He's not going there to fulfill his own agenda. He is going there to be spokesman for Yahweh. That's why he's going. That's why God is sending him there. And God gives him particular instructions. He says to Jonah, go to Nineveh and call out against them. That's what I want you to do. That's what are you to do. And he gives him the particular reason. Why? Why? Because their evil has come up before me. Like, like your case come up before the judge is what he's saying. Their evil has come up before me. And now I'm sending you to be a prophetic witness. Because judgment is coming. But will Jonah go? But will Jonah do it? Will you do it? Will you do it? It's easy to it's easy and natural for us in 2015 to read stories about Jonah in a detached kind of way. It's easy to read the books of the Old Testament and think to yourself, man, these are times long past. I mean, these words can't still be relevant. Really? Really? Are they still relevant to my life? Yes, God's word is always relevant to your life. Always relevant. This is one of the problems of the church in America. We don't read the Bible like we should. We'll come listen to the preacher, but we won't open the Bible up during the week. How do you know what I'm teaching you is truth? If you don't go back and check it. Don't be spiritually gullible. Know the word for yourself. Keep in mind the story is before you is about God's dealing with Jonah. Or about his life. And the same for true of you. The story of your life is always about what God is doing in your life. His dealings with you. You're not the main character in the story of your life. He is. Because you wouldn't have the life you have without him. You wouldn't. You would not. The story of our life is about God's dealing with us. Particularly to those of us who are his people. Who are the people of God? It's those who have saving faith in Jesus. They're his people. You see, before Jonah is a prophet of Yahweh, he is first a worshiper of Yahweh. Think about that. He is first a worshiper of Yahweh before he is his prophet. That comes first. He, Yahweh is his God. Is he your God? Do you trust? And rest in Jesus alone for your salvation from sin. And sin is not just, you know, your actions. It ain't just the things that you do. It's part of your DNA. Everything about you is stained with sin. It means you're broken. It means you have issues. It means you're, you're imperfect. The best human being you know is still a sinful human being. Think about it. There ain't a person in this world. That's perfect. They're all broken. Some hide it better than others. But they're all broken. They're none the same. And you cannot receive the call to be a prophetic witness if you don't first receive the call to have faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's where you start. Have you answered that call yet? There's only one person that can set you free from sin. And that is Jesus. 
And when you surrender to him in faith, then you surrender to the call to be a witness for him. The call that God issues to Jonah, he also issues to you. Those of you who have faith in Jesus. The call he extends to Jonah, he extends to you. And he does so in Christ. In Christ, God says to you, arise and go be a prophetic witness. Not just to your adults, your kids. If you're a young kid, if you're in high school, and if, and if you have faith in Jesus, you are to be a prophetic witness to Jesus where he has you, to your friends who don't know him. Because you know if they die, they go to hell. And so you share the gospel with them. Be a witness where God has you. The church has a calling that the government cannot fulfill. But we want the government to do it. Only church can do it. Hebrews 1 says, Long ago at many times and many ways, God spoke to our father by the prophets. But in these last days, he speaks to us by his son, whom he appoints heir of all things. Those of you who have faith in Jesus are also called to be a prophetic witness of Jesus. And his call to you is found in Matthew 28, where he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that you have observed, all that I have commanded you. And behold, on with you always to the end of the age. Village Church, this is our call to arise and go. This is our call to arise and go. And guess what? It ain't always comfortable. It ain't going to be convenient. It will interrupt your life. You got to know that. We can think, we live, being a Christian in America, you can think it's convenient at times. But if you're really living under the cross, bearing your cross, it will interrupt your life. It will. Jesus is calling you to be a prophetic witness to him. Of him. Of a person. You're not a prophetic witness to yourself. I'm not a prophetic witness to myself or my gifts or my talents. You're not a prophetic witness to, to your culture, whether you're a majority culture or minority culture. You're not a prophetic witness to your taste of worship and music. We're not a prophetic witness to our own denomination, whether you're Baptist, Presbyterian, Seventh-day Adventist, or non-denominational. You're not a prophetic witness to that. There won't be denominations in heaven. You're not a prophetic witness to your so-called right theology either. You are not a prophetic witness to your political party either. You are a prophetic witness to Jesus Christ alone. You're his spokesman. And he has given each of us the divine message to share with a broken world. And here the divine message is not about programs. It's not about buildings and bigger buildings. Not about church budgets. Not about small churches or big churches. Not about conferences or retreats. It's not about church growth. It's not centered around one celebrity pastor. It's not entertainment. It's not strategies. The message that we share is this. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. That's the gospel. That's what the world needs to hear. Christ 
came in the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. That's what the world needs. That's been a prophetic witness. Not programmers. Of Jesus. The gospel message calls out against our broken world. Guess what? The evil of our country is before the Lord. And one day judgment will come to us all. And there's only one group of people that can make a difference with that, that can speak into that judgment, and it's you. And it's you. And it's you. Will you do it? Will you do it? Will you take that message? Will you do it? Only we can do that. Only the church can do that. The church in America can shine if we be about the Father's business. But will we be about it? There's only one vehicle that God is using to change the world, and it's the church, and only the church, with the power of the gospel message. And you take that message to your neighborhood, to your coworkers, to your friends, to your families, and you tell them, Christ came in the world to save sinners. You want hope, you want peace, you want forgiveness, then you come to Jesus to get it. Everything that we do, the ministries that we do, the mercy ministries that we do, we do it so that we can take people to the gospel. And that's what I love about working with Mark Stearns with Lincoln Village Ministries. That everything they do is that gives them the opportunity to share Jesus. Everything. Everything that we do is an opportunity to share Christ. Because we know that people's souls got to get right with God. And that only comes when we open up our mouth and share the gospel. So what's the gospel? And the, uh, and the president in his uh, speech this week had one more line that had, had got a lot of Twitter feed, and I'm pretty sure you know what line I'm talking about. And he said, I have no more campaigns to run, I know, because I want them both. And here is Jesus' twist on those words. Give, make, imagine Jesus being a, a little rapper for a minute. You know, a Christian rapper, if he was here. MC Jesus. And, and this is his twist on those words. Jesus would say, people don't have to run a campaign to get free from their shame. I know because it's my winning campaign that changed the game. So people are now redeemed by my name. You missed the last one. I know because it's my winning campaign that changed the game. So people are now redeemed by my name. That is the gospel. And that will always be the gospel. You can change it up however you want to change it up, but the meaning is still the same. It's Jesus' name that saves people. And that's what people need to hear. That's what our culture needs to hear. That's what our kids need to hear. And parents, that's what we talk with our kids about as well. People need Jesus and more of him, not less of him. Not less of him. Jesus had a call as well. You realize that? He had a call. Was it a comfortable call? Was it an easy call? Was it a convenient call? You must forget, Jesus left glory to be born in the image of man. You think that was a good thing? No. He stepped down 
to hang out with us. He stepped down to become one of us. That's not something you put on your resume. It was a humiliation for him to be born in the incarnation. We, we rejoiced over incarnation, but it was a humiliation for him. That was his calling. But no, the call also meant he came here to die. That was part of his calling. That same baby we worship on Christmas was marked for death. Death for you. In the garden, he struggled. He struggled in the garden. But he did not flee from his calling. Did he fulfill it? Yes. And that table is a reminder that he did not flee. Because if he fled from that call, none of this is worth it. We are all lost in our sin. If he fled, there is no hope. If he fled from 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 the cross, get back, devil. If you fled, I said get back. If he fled from the cross, we have no hope. We have no peace. There's no salvation. None of those things are here now. But because he fulfilled it, we have freedom. This table and all that it represents is a reminder to each and every one of you, from the oldest to the youngest, that Jesus did not flee. He fulfilled his call to make atonement for your sins and my sins. And he invites all of his people, all of those who have saving faith in Jesus, not those who are perfect, not those who have it all together, but those who have saving faith in him to come and partake of this meal for your own spiritual nourishment. Friends and neighbors, if you don't profess faith in Christ, I consider the honor that you're here with us. And if you have questions about what it means, to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please come speak to me, come speak to one of the other officers, and we'll go back in this room and we'll talk about it. I'll tell you about it. I can tell you how you can have everlasting life in Jesus' name. So please, if the Holy Spirit is thumping at your heart, do not let that pass. Come talk to me. And adults, we ask that the children with you abstain from the elements until they're being welcomed to the table by the elders or the church that you attend, and we leave that to your oversight. And this is my favorite part. I need all the kids to look at me. All of you, look at me. This meal is a reminder to each of you what Jesus did on the cross for your sins. And it's my prayer as your pastor and it's the prayer of your parents that each of you one day will come to saving faith in Jesus so that you can partake of this meal with us, with your family. Because we all are family. Okay? So now let us go to the Lord now and ask the Holy Spirit to prepare our hearts for the Lord's table.
the Lord Jesus. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Can I invite the officers to come help assist? Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. O Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom... I take refuge. Christ's body broken for you. Eat of it, all of you. In the same manner, he also took the cup. And having given thanks, he said to his disciples, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You are not my head with oil. 
My cup overflows. Truly goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Christ's blood shed for all, 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 all of your sins. Drink of it, all of it. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, that our past, present, and even our future sins have all been nailed to the cross, and we bear them no more. Pray as we go out this week that we'll go out in your spirit's power. That he encourages us as, as families, as parents, as spouses, as, as siblings, as kids. That your spirit will be with and before us. That you will equip us to be the prophetic witness in the places that you have us. And so, Lord, we pray blessings over our country. We pray blessings over all that you call us to do. And I pray for all this in your son's name. Amen. Will you please stand as we close? Our service. Here we go. Forever God is faithful, forever He is strong. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood that you shed on Calvary. Thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. God is good and he's worthy. Come on, let's sing this song one more time. Come on. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For he is good, he is above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. Forever God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us, forever and ever. Forever God is with us, forever 
Come on, sing. Forever you, forever you are faithful. Forever you are strong. Forever you are with us. Forever. Come on, sing it again. Forever you, forever you are faithful. Forever you are strong. Forever you are with us. Forever and ever. Forever. That's it. Amen. Now receive the Lord's benediction.